everyone. I'm Reverend Carla and welcome to Spirituality Matters, a podcast that focuses on the intersection of spirituality and humanity. Now let's settle in and find that sacred space between here where I am and there where you are and let us be reminded that the Holy transcends our physical bodies and our time together can be just as sacred and meaningful as if we were sitting beside one another. Okay, let's get started. Today's podcast is entitled A Gentle Day and a Loving Memory. When Sorrow Comes. This podcast is inspired by my blog by the same name, which is now available at newmasoul.com. Now, it has been a while since I've written about grief or sorrow, but I have written about it in the past. But something came up today in the form of a reminder on my calendar, and I felt like it was time to write about it. I've written before uh, a blog called Feeling the Void of grief before filling it and how oftentimes uh, we rush to create a busyness in our lives instead of acknowledging the void of when we've lost a loved one, even if it's a tragedy like a job or a house or a pet, any one of those things where we don't stop to acknowledge the sorrow. And sorrow is something that we carry with us for the rest of our lives. And it changes us significantly in in profound, in deeply profound ways. And I know for, for so many of us, our religious indoctrination often taught us to suppress those feelings because nothing else mattered than the work that you did as a Christian, that everything would be solved when you got to heaven. But there is also a spirituality that's connected to our human experience. And I think once you've released yourself from those indoctrinated beliefs, oftentimes you don't realize how much sorrow and pain that you've been carrying with you, and it is time to process it. So I've written about that. I've written about my pets. I've written about my aunt and what took me down a journey of trying to discover what it, what part of me could not see she was dying, my own rejection of sorrow when I was busily trying to, to take care of her body by making sure she wasn't going to get bed sores and things like that when she was actively dying in front of me. So that's why I went to do end-of-life training and became an end-of-life doula, just so I could understand this and just so I could hold space for people as they began their own grief journey. I held the space when my father-in-law and my mother-in-law were passing, and especially with my mother-in-law, I had so many uh, wonderful memories and such an honor to hold that space as she was dying, and I'm fascinated absolutely fascinated because with both my father-in-law and mother-in-law, there was a a time where little children came to visit to see their reaction to them. So with my father-in-law, he said that they were, the children were sitting on my lap. They crawled up the chair, sat on my lap. They were sitting on the arm of the chair, but he said, they know not to come on my bed because I'm frightened of them. Now with my mother-in-law, I saw her smiling and she was watching something come in the room. And I said, who is it? She goes, well, it's that little girl. And she patted her lap to have them come up on her lap. So our, re- our our reaction to that is so interesting. And I said, what's her name? And she said, well, you ought to know she came in with you. <laughs> and I'm not laughing at her. I'm laughing at the the experience. There's a, there's a sacredness there to the mystery of, of the dying. And what's the gateway that the children are opening? How does the veil thin by the arrival of these children into the room? I guess someday I'll find out. Now, We also need to pause here and discuss the five stages of grief because there was a time when I also ascribed to this. I read the books. I understood what this was about. But since then, it has been found out that this is a not only hurtful, it's not 
based on good data and research. There's a stage of grief that we go through from the five stages are uh, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. But the truth is we ebb and flow in all of those. We could be 10, 15 years removed from the loss of our loved one and come back to denial. We could come back to anger. Everyone, any one of those tools that we need to reach for, depending on what's going on in our lives, the five things is goes far beyond that. There's so much more that can happen inside the grief journey. And again, it's part of our human experience. So it's something that we have to acknowledge. And, and evangelicals don't do it well because it, it takes the focus away from Jesus, which is why you'll often hear, you know, you don't need Prozac, you need Jesus. You don't. I remember several times our pastors making a deal to tell testimony about people who celebrated the death of their loved one because they were going to be with Jesus. What a wonderful testament of, of faith. What a wonderful strength of character that they didn't offer any grief. They celebrated the death of their loved one as somehow that was the epitome of what it looked like to grieve. We knew what that meant. We knew that they were being held up to a higher standard and that the things that we were feeling as far as our human loss was considered a weakening, a weakening of our spirit, that that was what we should attain to, that that was a stronger faith. Again, messing with the mind. So when you start to unpack from that and you realize how much unprocessed grief you are carrying there's some work that has to be done. And that's why oftentimes when you start a deconstructing journey, you often end up in counseling. I recommend it that you not only work with a spiritual counselor, but you can work with a therapist that's available to you, some kind of support group, you do it because that's so important. So today's title was inspired by something that I wrote to a member of my team whose mother died several years ago. And on my calendar, I still have her mother's birthday. And even though I'm traveling right now, I I saw that and I thought, I just want to reach out to her and let her know I'm thinking about her. So I knew that these days, you know, they, they can be ebbing and flowing. Some people don't want to acknowledge them. Some people do. I didn't want to not acknowledge it in case it was meaning something to her. So I just wrote, I know it's your mother's birthday. I hope it was a gentle day and a loving memory. And that's all I said. And it's hard to know how to handle those anniversaries, but I wanted to let her know that I was thinking of her. And a couple of hours later, she wrote back and said, thank you, Carla, with a little purple heart, which is kind of like my signature thing. And that was all I needed. I didn't even, there was no even acknowledgement. I, that's not required at all. When you are offering comfort to someone, I, I would have understood had she not done anything. But when we are simply learning to hold space for someone who is hurting, that means we don't get to dictate how that person re will respond to our expressions of comfort. We just don't get to do that. Even if those expressions of comfort have cost us time and money, there is a, an ex expectation that we'll receive something, but we really shouldn't expect it. Some people just cannot find it in their heart or their soul to, to write something or to acknowledge it. It may take years before it happens. And I think it's important for us to repeat this again and again, that we should not expect anything. And we need to do a better job of learning of what it means to hold space. We as Eve, former evangelicals, Christians, wh wherever we are, or just Americans, we don't handle grief very well. And I see this sometimes, even when people will post about their loss or their sorrow, how many times people will use that person's grief to tell their story. It's, it's a study about human behavior, about how many people I'm sharing with you my broken heart 
Uh, even I saw one recently where a woman's daughter died from epilepsy, and that speaks to me deeply. My son has epilepsy, and that that breaks my heart. And how many people then told their stories instead of even acknowledging her pain? Now, a lot of people did acknowledge her pain, but it was about 50-50 on the people who did it. But we need to do a better job to understand that a person's grief is not a place to share our story of sorrow and to amplify our voices. That's the truth. And what that really is showing is that you have some grief that you need to deal with, that you can't see in front of you as someone who is hurting so badly that they came to a place where they were hoping to find comfort, and instead you turned the mirror on yourself. I'm not saying your pain isn't real. I'm not saying that you don't have the right to express your story, but not on top of someone else's. It shows something in us that's asking for light that we're not willing to see. And we just got triggered by it by coming upon someone else's pain. But my purpose for visiting grief today isn't to make you feel bad for telling your grief story when someone shares theirs on social media, but just be aware if you're doing it, that you're probably ignoring sorrow in your life. But I'm here to say this to you. May this be a gentle day and a loving reminder. That is all. I hope that it's just a gentle day, a loving memory, because I felt like someone else needed to hear that. We don't give ourselves space enough to create space for our sorrow. We try to keep a facade of joy and peace, the us that we show the world. But what does it look like when we let the world in on our pain? How often those memories come up that we just push them down to try to get through the day because we don't know when sorrow is going to arrive. Even when we are expecting it around an anniversary or a birthday, like my friend's mother's birthday or the holidays, a lot of people we feel like society is telling us and they probably are telling us that we just need to be over it. We just need to be over it, meaning we shouldn't hurt anymore. But that's not the way sorrow works. Sorrow reminds us that what is, is no more. And what is no more hurt when it left us. We don't get to wrap it up in a box and put it under our bed for safekeeping, pulling it out, dusting it off, and visiting it when we choose to do so. It's not how it works either. It just shows up. When sorrow arrives, it arrives. It can quietly enter the room and sit beside you as you get a Google picture reminder that says, we think you wanted to see this picture from years ago. And there you are facing your loved one who was so full of life, smiling for the camera. Or how often has Facebook said, we found a memory for you we thought you'd like to see. And suddenly you're back on the park bench, sitting beside your loved one or cuddling the dog who liked to bask in the sun with you. And then all of a sudden the entire energy of your day changes because of a simple picture from an app that has no idea the power of those pictures. Or does it? Of course it does, because that's the power of memories. And that's the power of joy. And that's the power of love. And that's the power of sorrow. And now it's here, sitting right beside you. Or sometimes it can just bowl you over under a wave of raw emotion when the deep, chasmic void can no longer be ignored. And you're reminded that your life will never be the same. And so what do you do when sorrow arrives? Because we certainly do have choices. Can you pause and sit with it? Can you stand and allow the waves rush over you as you once again stare into the void that once held the presence that you now so desperately long for? 
Or do you reject sorrow's invitation and turn swiftly back to your life because the pain is too raw and the reality is too painful? Yeah, we have choices and no one is going to judge you. At least no one should on what your choice is when sorrow arrives. But if there's one thing that's true, sorrow finds us all. And when it does, it will change us. Even if we turn swiftly back to our lives because the pain is too raw and the reality is too painful, we are forever changed. And like I said, beautiful soul, I have no other motive for writing this today except writing that note to my friend prompted me to remind you that not if, but when sorrow comes, may the day be gentle. May the memory be loving. May it comfort you to know that from here, I'm holding space for you when sorrow arrives. Accept its invitation to just visit for a while. For in doing so, you acknowledge that it has something to teach us about the human experience of loving, living, and losing. That's all. That's all for today. Blessed be. Thank you for listening, beautiful soul. You can watch the uncut version of today's episode on my YouTube channel, Spirituality Matters with Rev. Carla. You can also check out my Patreon to access unique opportunities, including bonus content, live Q&A sessions, and support from a community of spiritual, not religious souls just like yourself. And coming soon, we'll be expanding and adding additional tiers to create a spiritual community like no others. You can always connect with me on social media and on our websites at revcarla.com and numasoul.com. And now, beloved, go in peace and be at peace. Go and know that others are on this journey with you and you are not alone. You are seen and deeply and unconditionally loved just the way you are. Blessings on your week, and may it be a gentle day and a loving memory.